Welcome to Where My Girls At, a textured air podcast about women in hip hop. We're your host, Mariah. Show me. And Brianna. This podcast is meant to recenter the narrative about hip hop culture around the people it came from. Black women. We're talking rappers, writers, producers, behind the scenes, the women who've made hip hop culture popular culture. And this first season is dedicated to the renaissance of women in hip hop we've experienced over the past 10 years, from Pink Friday to Wet Ass Pussy and everything in between. If you like this podcast, please be sure to leave us a five star review on iTunes and make sure you are subscribed. It really helps. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and Anchor.fm. Or right on the website, texturedair.com, where you can find more content dedicated to the metamorphosis of Black women. Now let's get into it. Last week, we talked about the music industry's pivotal years of 2008 and 2009 and our introduction to a new hip-hop star, Nicki Minaj. This week, we're discussing the business of being Nicki Minaj and her rise from humble beginnings to Super Bowl performances, Pepsi endorsements, and being the hottest featured artist around. Now today, we may know Nicki as a glamorous but always rugged queen with the thickest New York accent, but Nicki Minaj started out as Onika Mirage, born in Trinidad and Tobago, but quickly immigrating to New York to live in Jamaica, Queens. Her love of performing started out early. She once said of this, I would get on everybody's nerves around the house when singing the Star Spangled Banner all the time and singing in weird voices. I would make up names for people. I still don't know why I did that. I remember going to high school and I decided that I only wanted to put a B in front of people's names and I didn't care what your name was. I thought it should have a B in front of your name. It was always there. But hip hop in the early stages made me feel like I had to suppress it. Now I'm like, love it or hate it. This is me. Nikki would later go on to attend the performing arts high school in New York City that inspired the movie Fame, LaGuardia, and then go on to perform in the rap group The Hood Stars with her former long-term boyfriend, Safari, before breaking out on her own as an MC. After the incredible success of her first two mixtapes, garnering the support of, at the time, the best rapper alive, Lil Wayne, she joined Young Money Entertainment and is the first female artist to be signed to the label, Young Money. as I said last week. The buzz about Nicki Minaj is the talk of the town, the talk of the music industry. Could there finally be another female rapper to fill the long, empty void? Rapper, producer, and founder of Cash Money Records, Birdman, said of her, We were in LA and Wayne came into my room and played me a DVD that she was on. He was so hype about it. We were just in awe of her delivery, her swag, and her confidence. He flew her in the next day to meet us. When we first saw her, we knew she'd be the female rapper of Young Money. Wayne had been looking for a female rapper to be a part of the team. And when he seen that, it was a rap. It was how she was saying what she was saying. It inspired me. It inspired everyone. In 2009, Nicki Minaj was building a rock solid, hardcore fan base and was generating authentic buzz around her music, her personality, her image, and she still wasn't even signed to a major record label yet. She was taking the route that many artists and her young money label mate, Drake, took in building an organic following for more leveraging power, i.e. a better deal for the day that she did eventually sign to a major label. And that day came in 2010 when she signed to Universal Motown Records through Young Money Entertainment. She dumped her old manager, Fendi, and got a new manager, Diddy. Yeah, that Diddy. 
and things got kicked into high gear. One reporter wrote about the allure of Nicki Minaj, saying, Arguably, the biggest ladies in hip-hop of the early to mid-2000s were women who didn't rap at all. Ashanti and Beyonce outsold any female rapper of the period, and to give them their due were vital to the hybridization of hip-hop and R&B in pop. With her head-spinning flow, colorful personality, and literally colorful wardrobe, Nicki essentially lapped the field by just showing up because there was no one else. Knowing what female rappers are up against, it's impossible to assess Minaj's exquisite career without viewing it through the prism of her predecessors over the previous two decades. Eve's pugnaciousness, Missy's quirk, check, check, check. 2010 was the beginning of a decade that would change the course of music forever. And it would begin the debut of two of music's biggest stars, Nicki and Drake who would lead that revolution. Now, as we discussed in episode one, music up until this point hadn't just yet shifted to the hip hop dominant culture that we live in today. We're still living in a rock and roll, bubblegum pop, EDM kind of world. And though major rap album releases since the year 1991 have always generally debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, the respect for it wasn't quite there. The understanding of it wasn't quite there. It was like we were living in two completely parallel universes that always seemed to get close to colliding but never could. Until Nicki Minaj began her reign and began to bridge the gap. In 2010, before she had even released her debut album, Nicki had all but been declared the new queen of rap. She was the artist to watch, the feature queen. She was featured on songs with artists the likes of Trey Songz, J-Lo, Mariah Carey, Ludacris, Kanye West, Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, and this is before her album was even released. She said of her feature writing process, I'm so critical of my own stuff that I take a lot longer. I psych myself out thinking it's not good enough, so I wind up doing it over and over. But with features, I just let the magic happen. And the magic, it was. Need we remind you about her feature on Kanye West's Monster? That feature was so good that Kanye considered not putting it on the album. Kanye West considered removing her verse from the song on arguably his best album because of how incredible her verse was. Because of the sheer veteran status it gives despite her being the rookie. And in 2010, she actually won the Rookie of the Year award at the BET Hip Hop Awards. Now the buzz surrounding her album was as loud as it gets. She said of this pressure of her upcoming album, when I started rapping, people were trying to make me like the typical New York rapper, but I'm not that. No disrespect to New York rappers, but I don't want people to hear me and know exactly where I'm from. She also said, mixtapes were saying I can rap and the album was saying I can make a song. That's a big difference in the real world. Her first single from her upcoming debut album was the song Your Love, and it broke Missy Elliott's record of the first unassisted highest charting female rap song since 2002. The Annie Lennox sample, Your Love, peaked at number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100. She said of this song, which was a hard contrast from her mixtape days, I'm inspired by the beat. When a beat comes on, I am either going to sing on it or rap on it. To be honest, I was 
singing as a reference for the singers. At the time when I would do it, people on my team would say, you should leave it. It sounds good. I left a lot of my vocals on the album because it's more personal to me and what I'm speaking about. The album happened to be more personal, so I didn't want to get 10 R&B singers on it. She followed this up with the second single, Right Through Me, and then followed that up with the massively successful collaboration with Drake, Moment for Life. She was three for three at this point, all garnering such authentic and massive buzz with the videos to match. There was no more in the making. Nicki Minaj was a bona fide star. In making major waves outside of the hip hop realm into the pop world, the gap between the two became smaller and smaller. With every single and video release as their fan base grew larger and much more diverse than anyone could have ever imagined. Next she released her then joint single, Check It Out with Will I Am. Then there was a song that didn't actually make the album, but it's actually quite crucial to her success. Massive Attack started the crossover, stylistically different from mixtape Nicki, visually stunning and daring, the makings of a pop star. A publication wrote of the wildly popular Massive Attack video. The song was a distinct change in Minaj's previous work on the mixtapes and features, thus receiving mixed to positive reviews from critics, commending the lyrical content and distinctiveness, and critiquing that it did not fit her Barbie persona well. The song bubbled under the Billboard Hot 100 at 22 and peaked at number 65 on the Hot R&B and Hip Hop song chart. Massive Attack was initially announced as the album's lead singer, however, after the single's poor chart performance, Minaj dethroned it as the lead single status and declared that it would not be featured on Pink Friday. Nikki said of this, I went in really not knowing what it is I want to say, and I didn't know if I was going to give all of my different characters life in the album. At what point I was afraid, thinking, can every one of my characters be on the same album? And if I do that, can the album still be authentic, exciting, and real? Leading up to its release, Nicki Minaj engaged in some new kind of promotion, stating to her Twitter followers that if she reached 1 million followers on Twitter, she would dedicate a Ustream to her fans and announce the title of the album. And she announced that that title of the album would be Pink Friday. She said, to carry on a great tradition of Black Friday, we are going to switch it up a bit this year in honor of Nicki Minaj's album and call that day Pink Friday and call my album Pink Friday. Now let's talk about the album cover. Now one publication described it as Minaj is a doll alarmingly staring at the camera, sitting armless on the ground with her elongated legs in a flowing silver corset, pink stilettos in a stark pink wig. She said, even before major artists were using Twitter and other social media stars as major promo to hype their releases, Nikki was doing it. But she was not new to this. If you recall, back in her MySpace days, it was how she found her fan base. And it only grew with the release of the album's most successful crossover song, Super Bass. And for that, we're actually going to have to give part of the thanks to Taylor Swift. Nikki said of this, she she being Taylor Swift, was doing a radio interview and they asked what song she liked. She said, can it be a song that hasn't come out yet? She started rapping Super Bass. Then she tweeted that she liked Super Bass and all her fans who had never heard of Nicki Minaj went and purchased it. I think after she tweeted that, Super Bass climbed like 80 spots the same day on iTunes. And that's why people don't understand why I keep thinking Taylor Swift, this is real. Before this album was even released, she'd become a household name. Her debut studio album, 
Pink Friday, was released November 19th, 2010, and November 22nd, 2010 in the United States, which is the same day that Kanye West's magnum opus, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, was released, which takes balls. This album is described by many as a genre-bending album filled with her now infamous alter egos and features from the likes of Drake, Rihanna, Lil Wayne, Eminem, and Kanye West. It debuted at number two and sold 375,000 copies in its first week. The album went to number one three months after its release and after a highly rated appearance on SNL. Pink Friday has sold over three million records worldwide. Her message was fun, it was expansive, it was gritty, it was New York Queens, it was pop, it was camp, it was the beginning of a new era. And there was a new queen of rap. This album wasn't just for the streets, but for the world at large. The guest features, the production, the penmanship, unmatched. She released eight singles from the album, and the pop Billboard chart crossover was unprecedented and practically unheard of. Thus began a new era in music. Nicki Minaj was here to stay, and so was hip hop. Pink Friday was the first album to have seven songs chart on the Billboard Hot 100 simultaneously. By this point, she was the undisputed queen. One writer said, yet Minaj knows she does not have to play to win. In her first track, I'm the best off Pink Friday, she raps, I hear they coming for me because the top is lonely. I'm the best. Indeed. When Nicki Minaj's Pink Friday was certified platinum by the end of 2010, it was the first solo album by a female MC to reach that milestone in eight long years. Minaj went platinum again in 2012 with Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded. But her commercial success over the last decade has stood out as an accession to the unwritten rule that female rappers no longer have a place among elite artists. She followed it up with the Pink Friday promotional tour. The Pink Friday tour was five dates, Philly, DC, Waterbury, Boston, and Trinidad. And then in 2011, she opened for Britney on her Femme Fatale tour and collaborates with her, of course. And then in 2012, she performs at the Super Bowl with Madonna and collaborates with her, of course. And then in 2012, E! Network hops on the train and gives Nicki Minaj a docu-series following her meteoric rise to fame and then she briefly joins the cast of American Idol as a judge and gets paid 12 million dollars for one season. But this wasn't her only or first foray into the business world. Nicki Minaj's business ventures include several fragrances, Max Fusion's Mix Moscato, Minaj's Viva Glam lipstick collaboration with Max Cosmetics is still the best-selling Viva Glam lipstick of all time. And this also includes high-profile deals with Pepsi, Adidas, and Beats by Dre. I don't mean to rattle off a list of her accomplishments, like three Grammy nominations in 2014, two back-to-back -back collaborations with Beyonce, her 2015 Pink Print tour being one of the highest-grossing rap tours of that year, grossing $13 million, or her being named one of Time Magazine's most influential people in 2016, or her being the highest-selling female rapper of all time, or her being the first and only female rapper to have a net worth of over $100 million, or her having more Billboard Hot 100 appearances than any other female act in the history of the Billboard charts. Because this is all information you can Google. And to you, it's probably very normal. Because we live in a world where people like Nicki Minaj have fought to normalize it. But let us remember 
that hip-hop is the single most important evolution and impactful genre to happen to the pop charts in the last 40 years. Not the Beatles, not Elvis, not even Britney Spears, but hip-hop, music's last born child. In 2017, Nielsen Music's year-in report revealed that R&B and hip-hop was the biggest music genre in the United States in terms of total consumption. Eight of the 10 most listened to artists of the year were R&B or hip hop acts. And disproving those who felt that the genre was losing creative or commercial steam, rap had a 25% growth in consumption in 2017 as compared to 2016. But let us remember, there was a time in history when these acts couldn't even get booked in the same venues as white acts. It wasn't even until the success of the Hard Knock Life Tour with Jay-Z, DMX, Redman, and Method Man in 1999, and the Up and Smoke Tour with Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg, and Eminem the following year, that rappers became a safe and reliable draw at larger venues. Now, virtually every festival of note in the 2010s is anchored by a rap act. Music and the business have changed so rapidly that we forget that streaming platforms like Spotify were only introduced in 2011. The mixtape era transformed into the blog era, transformed into the social media era right before our eyes. And not many artists have been able to successfully navigate and dominate that transition. But Nicki Minaj made it her bitch and changed the course of hip-hop music for everyone that came up behind her. Thank you for listening to this episode of Where My Girls At, brought to you by Textured Air, a brand dedicated to celebrating Black girl culture, past, present, and future. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It really helps. You can find us on Twitter at Where My Girls At 2 and Instagram, Where My Girls At underscore TH. Make sure you check out our other podcasts, Does It Hold Up, The Blacklist, and all the other content we offer on our website, texturedare.com. Until next time.